Thank you for tuning in. My prayer is that this message is going to be an encouragement to you personally and will cause great growth in your life. It's time to live and it's time to take this next step forward. God bless you as you listen. In order for me to get started, though, I need some help. And Devin has been so kind uh, to, to help get something. I mean, if you can, Devin, if you could bring these little props up here to this table and, and set them up here for me, because I have some special stuff to share with you today. Fresh, well, some of it's fresh from Starbucks. Anybody like Starbucks around here? Are any Starbucks lovers? Now, we have a little rule around here. We, we ask you, since we've redone, we recarpeted in here, to, to please not, uh, not, not bring food or drinks into the auditorium. So, but this is one time, one time when we are allowed to. Okay, catch? There you go. So we're, this is one time you're allowed to, and, uh, well, not allowed to bring it in, but, but this is good. So it is pumpkin spice latte season. Now, I, I'll just let you know, whenever I drive up to a Starbucks and I see the steaming thing of pumpkin spice latte and it's 100 degrees outside and it's October, I'm going, I still don't get it. I really, really don't get it. And I will be candid with you, I don't get the whole pumpkin spice latte anything, okay? Give me some pumpkin pie and I'm fine, all right? But, the, but uh, some of you, I mean, like, I think we even like have a pumpkin candle at the house. Like, what, what are we doing? But, but that's okay. I know it's a cool thing, and, and I have three different types of coffee here. Now, first of all, I have this, which is the pumpkin spice latte. It is hot and that means this, when it's hot, it has some edge and it has some punch. This is just freshly gotten from the, the, uh, the Sundance Square Starbucks just a few blocks away. So this has some edge to it, okay? This is going to be delicious. And, and if anyone likes pumpkin spice latte, you want that edge. You need that now. You want this and you're just thinking about it, thinking, well, I don't know about you, Tim. You may not care about pumpkin spice latte, but I do. If that's you, I would love to give this to you. So here's what I'd like for you to do. Just lift your hand. You are, you need a pumpkin spice latte right here in the front. Come on up. Come on up and get it because you're new, a partner and everything. That's it. That's it. Take yourself and I want you to enjoy it, okay? Because it has edge to it because it's nice and hot. Now, this is a pumpkin. This is an ice cold pumpkin spice frappuccino. Now, I can get this a little bit more with Texas, you know, Texas autumns because people are already raising their hands. This is going to, this is a delicious coffee cold, cold. It has that edge to it. You're going to drink it cold. It's going to be delicious. Who would love a pumpkin spice? This is a a pumpkin, uh, uh, what is it called? Ice cold pumpkin spice frappuccino. Rebecca, do you feel led on this one? Wait, wait, no, I see someone back behind you who's who's feel led. See, you have to feel led around here. Who's who's raising their hand back there? Come on up, come on up, come on up. I I want you, Daryl, that's it. Come on up, Daryl. This right here is your official, you, you are allowed to enter the stage, that's, that's correct, sir. Enjoy this, do not spill it, don't spill it, and we'll be just fine. If you spill it, you, you'll be replacing these, because I think you helped put them in anyway, I don't know, so. <laughs> All right, and here, finally, I have a coffee that's been sitting around here for four hours today. Oh my word, it is so lukewarm, and it just has all kinds of good stuff in it, and this thing, 
You know, you, 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 cold coffee is good. Hot coffee is good. But how many of you times you, you have coffee and it's been sitting out for a while and you think it's hot and you take a drink of it and it's cold. I mean, it's like lukewarm. It's room temperature. What do you want to do? You want to do what? Do you want to drink it? <laughs> uh, no, actually, some, yeah, you do it first. You want to drink it. And then you're going, ah, and you, it's like you stop, right? Yeah. I, I, uh, I started to do that the other day when I was camping. I had some coffee that I had sitting out for a while. And of course, it was 40 degrees outside and it cooled down really fast. And I picked it up to, to, to have a drink of it. And it just like, I, I'm, I, I don't think I, that's not a good thing. This is not, this is not going to be healthy. It's not going to be helpful. And we have no volunteers to take this. This is a perfect illustration of what I'm talking about today. Today I'm wrapping up a seven-week series on overcoming in this current world that we're in. This is from Jesus' seven letters to the churches in Revelation. It's about overcoming just the temptations that the end of the age church will have and that we do have. So today we're talking about the church in a city called Laodicea. Laodicea. If you're not sipping coffee right now, say Laodicea. That's it. See, you got it. Good, good. Now, in Laodicea, they had a weakness, a flaw. Laodicea didn't have uh, persecution of Christians and other things that were happening in other, other areas, but the city had a problem. The weakness of the Laodiceans is an issue of their water supply. They didn't have a convenient source of water there in the town. Give you a little bit of history here. There are two, in fact, it's still that way today, there are two sources of Laodicean water. But neither of them are in the city. There is spring water, which is piped into the city from the south, and at its source, it's cold, it's crisp, it has edge, it's pure, and then it, it was delivered in these stone pipes for some six miles from the spring, and these are, these are stone pipes about three feet across. I've seen pictures of them. They still exist in the ruins of Laodicea. And, and that was their drinking water. But when that cold, fresh, crisp, delicious drinking water left the town and went all the way down, I mean, left the springs and went all the way down to the town, at that point, it was lukewarm. It was, eh. It's kind of like drinking Texas water, you know, out of the faucet, it's always going to be warm. Winter, summer, it doesn't matter what, it's always going to be warm. Now, there was a second source of the Laodicean water. And the second source was six miles in the opposite direction. And there, there was this hot mineral spring that, uh, and it, the, the water actually naturally flowed right over toward Laodicea. And in fact, some of the, uh, the, the scene from Laodicea, if you were to look from the town up north, you would have seen the steam rising up in the dif- distance, kind of like a, a, a cappuccino machine or something like that. The steam was rising up, and, and, but it was coming up from these mineral springs. And the Laodiceans, they didn't get to experience, though, the full benefit of the hot mineral springs because the water then ran off of a cliff and down in toward the city. And this cliff was about 300 feet high, about a mile wide. So it was a spectacular view. But the water left there and as it was leaving, going over the cliff, it left this white, and you, again, it's still there today, it's still doing this today, but there's this white uh, incrustation of calcium carbonate. 
And the, the little waterfall, it looks like these white frozen waterfalls. It looks like a snow-capped mountain. That's what people would have seen looking over from Laodicea. Uh, and and th- it was well known in that time, like if a thirsty traveler was coming into town, they would come uh, and they would see that. They would look at it and say, oh, that looks like some nice, fresh, cold, frozen water coming down. And they would go drink of it. And when they would drink from it, with one thing in their mind and something different in their mouth, the lukewarm uh, mineral-laden water, they would literally spit it out. That was one of the things people would make fun of the visitors from. Kind of like we, 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 I don't know if you guys ever make fun of people from out of town who come to town expecting us to have like literal cattle drives in the street all the time. Some people think we do that in Fort Worth. Like, no, that's a show they do up on the stockyards. But, but, uh, But there was this contrast and comparison that you're about to hear Jesus make regarding the hot and the cold. The cold water piped in from six miles uh, from the south and, the, and that became lukewarm when it hit the city. And the hot water that was very hot water that came down and that by the time it arrived in uh, Laodicea, it was lukewarm as well. So the people understood the whole deal of lukewarm water 100%. And you're going to hear here that Jesus says, I wish you were either hot or cold, but instead you're lukewarm. And the people knew how repugnant the lukewarm water was. So what Jesus did, and you're going to see him how he does this, he creatively communicates to the church of Laodicea that they were actually in very serious spiritual trouble, and he uses some specific illustrations from the culture, from the city right there. So Revelation chapter 3, verse 14, follow along in your Bibles, and then when we're finished, hold your place there, because I'm going to draw your attention back to some scriptures here. Revelation 3, 14, he says, to the angel in the church of Laodicea, write, these are the words of the amen, that's Jesus the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds. Right there, God sees, okay? God sees what you're doing. God sees, God sees, all right? But he says that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. He goes on to say some other things. Listen to this. He says, you say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Do you get that? Wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, naked. That's intense. He says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. All of this has significance here. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. What does repent mean? Repent means to turn. It means to change. It's going to mean you're going to move in a different direction. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on the throne. That word victorious also means overcome. So whoever is the overcomer, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious or overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And God, I pray that we will have ears to hear what you are saying to us, this church, City Life Church, at this end of the age that we're in right now. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Okay, well, to understand this letter a little bit better, kind of like really all the letters that are written to these seven churches, uh, we're going to look at some of the distinctives and the qualities of the particular city. And one of them was this, is that the Laodiceans, they prided themselves in their material wealth, their financial wealth. In fact, it was the wealthiest city in the entire province. And they had a very strong agricultural economy that was thriving. They had a a, a strong commercial uh, uh, prosperity that was there. Therefore, Laodicea had become also the banking center of that entire region. And probably, I would say, the most striking indication that Laodicea was a very prosperous town was that when the city was hit in AD 60 by, a, by an earthquake, there was a lot of rubble and they had to rebuild. Well, in those days when that happened, cities would get money. They would get uh, basically like federal funds, federal disaster funds, but it was from the Roman government. All right. They would get money from Rome and they would get help from Rome. They would get people from Rome to come up and rebuild the city. That's what, they, that's what they would do back then. But uh, Laodicea said, no, we don't need your help, Rome. We have all the resources here. And so they actually, re- history tells us this, they, they rebuilt the city on their own and it had never been seen or never been done before. So they had a lot of pride in their cities. Like we've got, a, we've got the money, we've got everything taken care of. In fact, the, the Christians, even there in that church, they would have been the people who would have had material prosperity. Basically, if they wanted to go to the store and get something, they could go and get what they wanted. This made them, the the challenge with this is this made them feel self-sufficient. And even during a time of natural disaster, this city is self-sufficient. So they're like, everything's okay. See, this is why Jesus makes, in this letter to him, Jesus makes these, uh, these, these references to wealth and riches and spiritual gold in this letter. Now, there's another issue that was going on here too, which helps us to understand what was happening in the city, is the Laodiceans, they prided themselves in their textile industry. There was this black woolen fabric uh, that they made clothing out of there, and it was a hit. See, the area around Laodicea was known for its very lush vegetation and, and they would, their sheep would graze out on this, like the best vegetation that was there. And they also took a lot of pride in their breeding processes with the sheep and, and they somehow came up with this, this wool, this black, glossy wool that made the most beautiful garments. And, and this wool uh, was sold at a high price and, and there was a lot of fame associated with it and it all came from the city of Laodicea. And, and they began to produce these black woolen tunics and they were called tremita. And in fact, still today, you can go online and buy a tremita and it'll tell the history of it going back to Laodicea. And, and the tremita became so popular because it just had this luster. It was so beautiful. They were sold throughout the, all of the Roman empire and it brought a lot of wealth into the town. Basically, it was like Tremita would be like the, the name of, like a name brand clothing, like some high-end name brand clothing, and that's where it was made. So this clothing brand basically made the city rich. Uh, we see references of this when Jesus is talking to the church, saying, you know, you think you're looking good, you think you're clothed well, but you're actually naked. So in other words, they were coming to, wear, coming to church in a sense, going through their lives, wearing their tremita, but spiritually, 
They were destitute. But Jesus says, I don't want you to be that way anymore. See, he's doing all this in love. He's not trying to beat them up. He said, I want to dress you in white spiritual clothing. I want you to look good spiritually. Okay, another clue to what was going on there in the community and in that, uh, that church is the Laodiceans, they had prided themselves in this eye salve that was very popular to the area. You see, Laodicea, they had a, uh, they had a medical school there. And in that medical school, they had come up with something called Phrygian fr- fr- powder. <laughs> Again, you can look this up online and do your own research on it. But what they would do is, is they'd come up with this Phrygian powder, powder and they would mix it with olive oil. And they'd mix it with olive oil and they would put it on people's eyes. And this sold like crazy. They earned a lot of money from it. Obviously, it must have done something because people bought it. Uh, and they believed that it would even cure blindness. They believed that if you put this on your eyes, it would heal eye uh, injuries. And so Jesus refers also to them saying, you need, I want to put some eye salve on you. I want to put some of my eye salve on you. I want, to, I want you to break through with your, uh, out of your spiritual blindness because you, know, you might have the eye salve to make your eyes work great, but, you, but in reality, you're spiritually blind. I want to help you with that. So Jesus is taking the elements of the culture and he's talking to them and they definitely would have gotten it. So bottom line, with all these illustrations, we can see that the church was in spiritual trouble. But Jesus is, is, is talking to them and he's wanting to help them move to a new place. In fact, the, the scripture also says that, that he rebukes the ones he loves and he's, he's rebuking them, but this, is, this rebuke is not some kind of a harsh, sometimes we think of rebuke of someone's just gonna get in your face and yell at you and scream at you and vomit on you and so there, I rebuke you. That's not a rebuke, that's, that's hate. <laughs> See, a rebuke is, there's a problem here and it needs to be corrected and I, I want to I help you correct it. See, because there's help associated. That's Christian. So this is a good way. This is Christianity. Jesus is displaying this to them. So Jesus characterized the Laodicean church basically this way. You are lukewarm, wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Kind of a, it's kind of a tough situation to look at. And Keep in mind, they thought they were at this pinnacle of spiritual attainment because they had all these things and they looked good and their eyes worked good and they had plenty of money, uh, but they had become so comfortable with the prosperity of Laodicea that they were no longer making an impact in the culture and they were just there. In other words, they were kind of like simply playing church. And the truth is it was making Jesus sick. It's like, this this is not what it's all about. So now we can understand uh, why Jesus tells them, I want you to be hot or cold. In fact, Jesus says, you know, your, your lukewarmness makes me want to spit, it out of, spit you out of my mouth. But in reality, the translators have used some different terminology here. If you want to know what the translators originally said, what, what really the best translation of the English language is this. I want, you, you, you make me want to vomit. You get that? That's really what it is. It's not just like, ooh, I don't like the taste of this. No, it's like that turns my stomach and you're making me sick. So that was Jesus chatting with this church. Basically, he's saying your lack of spiritual edge makes me want to barf. 
That's pretty much what he's saying there. So here's the deal. This letter, if we take this correctly, we're able to take this into our own lives and allow the Bible to become like a mirror to our own souls. And we can say, God, what is in this that I need to see for me? Now, I'll tell you, with all of us, there are so many different ways I could take this. And I'm just gonna share with you God's word because what God does is that God will customize this for you. God will take this and customize it for where you are personally. So listen to what the spirit is saying to you as an individual right now. And as you hear what God's saying to you as an individual, then you just need to take some action on it. So what I've done is I've kind of broken it down into a, a, a few questions and, and it will help you to see if you've lost your spiritual edge in a particular area, here's a way to get it back. And these answers are right here in the scriptures. And I, that's what I want for you. I want you to be able to move forward. So here's the first question I want to ask you. Have I lost my spiritual edge? Ask yourself that. Now, we're not, it's not a person next to you asking you. It's not... Uh, but you've got to ask yourself. See, Christianity, the beautiful thing about our faith is we are told over and over to examine ourselves. We're supposed to do self-exams. Will you do a self-exam with me right now? Did you used to have a spiritual hunger that you don't possess anymore? Did you formerly have maybe a passion for ministry or this, uh, this, this craving for holiness or spiritual growth, but it's not there? Maybe you used to serve, but you just don't want to anymore. Uh, maybe you used to have this intense hunger for the word of God and, and you wanted to see people come to Jesus, but you just don't feel that anymore. Maybe you're in a place where you're just feeling like, spiritual mediocrity has kind of taken over and, and, and you didn't even realize it was taking over, but the evidence of it is in the community, on the job, at work, at school, there's really no distinction between you and the other people that you work with. The people you go to school with. Now, if that's true, as you examine yourself, you may have become lukewarm, like room temperature, and didn't even realize it. So this is a way for you to say, I've got it. Because what's happened is the, the, the conditions around you have caused you to become lukewarm. Just like the conditions around this cup of coffee has caused it to become lukewarm. And if that's the case, what God wants to do is God wants to connect you to a spiritual power force that is going to take you back to where you need to be. In fact, and that, that spiritual power force is the Holy Spirit. In fact, do you realize that Jesus didn't even want his own followers to go out and start changing the world or doing anything until they had uh, encountered this power, this power from the Holy Spirit? He says to them in Acts chapter one, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Some of you today, before you leave this room, you need to ask for the Holy Spirit just to come on you. Because that is going to cause you to reclaim your spiritual edge. It's going to keep you from this lukewarm living that you've kind of drifted into. The way you do it is you just begin to ask God for more of his spirit. God, I want more of your spirit. I, I need more of your spirit. I'm telling you guys, if you need to put up reminders on your calendar or little notes everywhere, ask God for more of his spirit. You know, A-G-F-M-H-S, you know, letters that nobody else would understand, but you know it means ask God for more of his spirit. Do what you need to do and keep a prayer going because God will watch for the consistency of your prayers and he will give you what you ask for, guys. He will. He will. He'll give you what you ask for. 
You begin to ask God, God, I want that. I want more of your spirit. And, and, and a way to do it is to come to the prayer meetings. We have our next one, uh, the, the first of, uh, of November, the first Sunday of November. You know, come to prayer meetings. Come to, uh, come to uh, City Life Night. But, but find yourself in these atmospheres where you're going to be encountering God. Another thing to do is just get alone with God. Get alone with him. Uh, just take some time, maybe an hour or two hours, and, 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 and turn off your phone. <laughs> He's not going to call you on your phone, all right? Get rid of it. Go away. I, I had a wonderful time this week because I went up to Paladuro Canyon. And the nice thing about Paladuro Canyon is, is you're just not going to get any cell service down there. So woohoo, no internet, no cell service. I'm kind of happy about that. And so I can just get away, not paying attention. And, like, and I you know, see all these messages later on from all the staff. I'm like, oh, well, life was hard. You know, I'm glad you guys figured it out on your own without me. But, but, but it's just so nice to be in a place where you can just listen to God. Just take it, take some time away. Maybe even get away for a day. Could you possibly carve out a day in a month or so where you can just get away by yourself and talk to God? You can. You just have to be disciplined to do it. But those are the things that's going to allow you to fill your spirit back up. So examine yourself that way. Another self-examination question is this. Have you become weary, or I'm, I'm sorry, have you become weak with sharing, generosity, and good deeds? Those are three things, sharing, generosity, and good deeds. Measure yourself. What is the level of sharing that you do? What is your level of generosity? You know, one of the things we say around here, this is a generous church full of generous people. Well, well don't make, make anyone a liar. You know, I, I want to do it, and I want you to be generous as well. Good deeds, just simply doing good things. Those three things, examine yourself. Because these are going to flow from a person who has that spiritual edge, who's been charged with the Holy Spirit. And, and guys, that's not just a Sunday thing. We just don't do those things on Sunday. It's something that we live out. I think one of the worst things that we could do is come to church, but then during the week, we kind of like spiritually chill. Like, I'm just going to chill for a while. You know, the word chill just means you're going to sit and do nothing for a while. And, but if you, and that's fine if you're going to chill for whatever, but if you chill spiritually, you're going to become lukewarm and of no value. See, that's why Paul told Timothy in, uh, to, to, to tell his congregation, he said these words, and this is found in 1 Timothy chapter 6. He said, command them, in other words, command the people in your church to do good and be rich in good deeds, all right? And be generous and be willing to share. And then look what, he goes on to say this, in this way, in other words, when you do these things, they will lay up for them, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may, to- they may take hold of the life that is truly life. So in other words, every good deed, every time you're generous, every time you share, what you're doing is you're making a deposit into this celestial heavenly bank account so to speak and you are going to you're storing things up there so that when you live in eternity you're going to have an eternal payback an eternal payback there is no bank there is no there is no uh, investment strategy on this earth that is even going to compare to that because what's in heaven it will never empty out 
That's the beauty of, that's why, you know, and, and some, you might say, well, I don't want to be motivated by what I'm going to get in heaven to, to do good deeds. I just want to do it on my own. Okay, great. But you know what? A little motivation isn't going to hurt. And that's in the Bible for a reason. There is a re- I want to store up good things for me in heaven because I'm looking forward to an eternity. I want to go to that vault and go, uh-huh, that's right. This is good. And that is your eternal future. I tell you, when you begin to do things like this, you're not only storing up for yourself in heaven, but you are regaining your spiritual edge. And that's my challenge to you today. Here's another one of these questions. Check yourself out. Ask yourself this. Have my eyes become closed or even blinded to the ministry opportunities that abound around me? So you guys, there are constant opportunities for ministry around you, constantly. This hasn't happened in several years, but, but uh, years ago I would have a lot of people come to me and say, man, I sure would love to be in the ministry. I would love to be in the ministry. Now, I knew what they were talking about, but I would, I would act like I didn't. Have you ever done that before? You kind of like act like you don't know what they're talking about. But I, I knew what they were talking about. They saying, I sure do wish I could have a, a pastor job and work for the church. And uh, so knowing that, understanding that full well, they're wanting a full-time ministry-related occupation. But I tell you what, most people are not called to it. And trust me, you need to be called to this because if not, it's, 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 it'd, be, it'd be really interesting for you. But my, my response would always be this. And it still is. Well, aren't you in the ministry right now? Aren't you? What are you, what are you doing right now? <laughs> because the thing is, all believers, we are called to be in the ministry yes. right now, wherever we are with the opportunities that are around us. A big part of this has to do with cultural streets, which we'll be talking a lot about uh, in January and February. But, but it's not only in your cultural street, but it's also in your local church. Look for the opportunities. They are all around you. In fact, Jesus, he, he saw this, and we see this uh, written about in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. He, uh, Jesus saw his ministry opportunities. It says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. In other words, there's plenty of ministry to do, plenty of ministry to do, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. I remember reading this scripture several years ago, and I had been working a full-time ministry in the church where I was serving as a children's pastor, and, but, but I'd noticed that my heart, and this can happen in ministry when you're working for a church, <laughs> but my heart had become cold toward the lost. And, and this scripture got a hold of me. And he just said, ask, ask God, ask God. So I said, God, help me. God, and and the, my specific prayer was this, God, give me compassion for the lost. Help me to see lost people through your eyes. In other words, there are people all around us that are going to spend an eternity in hell if they don't make a decision to follow Christ. And that's, that's, a, that's part of our responsibility on this earth. But for some reason, I had kind of like lost sight of it. I think it was just working in the church all the time and not being out in the community did that. I'd been praying that for several days. Just every day I had reminders all over the place for me. But I remember one day I was really hungry 
and drove about a mile and a half from my church office and I grabbed me something at McDonald's. Any of you guys do that? We used to do it a little more often than I think we do it today, but I had to go to McDonald's. I was going to grab me some, some good, healthy lunch. And, and, and I went there and I, I was getting the food and my mind was on a million other things. But at that moment, it's interestingly enough, the lady who was inside the window, her hand touched mine and all of a sudden I was overtaken. With, I, I, I was sitting there, I started crying. I started crying because I, I don't, didn't really know her spiritual condition, but it's like God showed it to me. And I looked at her, and I couldn't even talk back. And, and I began crying and crying and crying as I felt the heart of God. Like, I, God said, I love her so much. I love her so much. I love her so much, I want her to be in heaven. But I just need some people to talk to her. I love her back. That was a turning point for me in my personal life because I had grown lukewarm. My spiritual eyes had become blind. I couldn't see things in the spirit anymore. You want to get your spiritual edge back, just begin to ask God for it and just dive into doing ministry wherever it is. In fact, doing ministry energizes you with the power of the Holy Spirit and that life will flow through you. And and because what's happening is God is actually expressing himself to someone else through you. So picture it this way. God is pouring into you, the Holy Spirit is pouring into you and flowing out of you to bless another person. And you're caught right in the middle of it. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? That's a way to get your spiritual edge back. You will just fuel your spiritual vitality just by simply doing ministry. Another one I have for you is this. It's the one about the clothing. (laughs) Am I clothed with worship and praise? Ask yourself that. Ask yourself that. Now, we really need to keep ourselves focused on Jesus and clothe ourselves in worship and praise. The prophet Isaiah, he, he said these words when he speaks of being clothed. He says we need to be clothed in a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Despair. The word I like to use there is a grouch pouch. Those of you guys who know me, you know I like to use that word there. Like, Don't be a grouch pouch. And if you find yourself being a grouch pouch, then you're missing something. You're clothed with the wrong stuff. You need to put on the garment of praise and that will cause the grouch pouchiness, the despair to go out the window. You'll look good on your praise clothes. I mean, worshipers actually have a different um, persona about themselves than people who are not. I found that worshipers just simply tend to be a little more pleasant than others. Why? It's because they're dressed in their spiritual attire. Spiritual attire is very important. A garment of worship, a garment of praise. In fact, in the book of Exodus, there's, there's a detailed writings about the garments that the worship leaders and the priests were supposed to wear as they were worshiping God. So when they worshiped God, they would literally put on these highly decorated, really intense, cool looking uh, uh, garments to do their worship in. Now, we don't do that today. We just wear uh, a, you know, a Time to Live t-shirt or something like that. And that's just fine. That's fine. Because but what God is looking for really is not the brand name that you're wearing. God's not looking for you to dress a certain way. 
dress however you like, you know, reasonably. But, but, uh, but what he is looking for is people who are spiritually clothed in beauty. See, what we learn from the Old Testament priests and worship leaders is that God has expectations regarding how you dress when you worship. And again, it's not looking for designer clothes. It's looking for a spirit of praise, a garment of praise. I I encourage you, begin looking for opportunities to worship and praise. When church starts, don't say, well, I just come for the preaching part because the rest is just a bunch of singing. No, you need to get here for that part too because that is critical. That's what City Life Night is about. But but even more than that, it's more than just the, the, the group gathering. When you're alone, begin to worship Jesus. If you need some music to help you out, get some good music. There's so much good worship music that's out there. Go to Spotify and type in worship music. I mean, you can, you can figure this out. It is really, really easy. I think there are even radio stations that play worship music. I'm sure they are. I just don't, don't listen to them because they have to deal with commercials. But, but put on your garment of praise and become a person who is beauty in the, beautiful in the spirit realm. Crank up some praise music. Crank it up at the office in your house. If you're feeling down, if you've got that spirit of despair, boy, crank up that music. Get get some worship and get some praise going because lukewarmness will tell you, well, all I need for worship is just a couple of, listen to a couple songs on Sunday morning, but I'll tell you what, that's, that's gonna keep you lukewarm because worship is going to help you regain your spiritual edge. For some of you, that's exactly what you needed to hear today because it's gonna keep you vibrant and it's gonna keep you alive. Here's the next one. Finally, am I surpassing the status quo? Are you? The question is, are you really making a difference? Ask yourself that. See, status quo living basically says this, I'm content with just the way things are. Uh, I'll listen to the challenge, but I really don't want to be challenged. Uh, Status quo living says it's okay just to live according to the world's culture because it doesn't really matter anyway. Status quo living is you're just, you've already talked yourself into it. Some of you have talked yourself into status quo living by speaking even curses over your own lives. In fact, next Sunday I'm going to be talking about the, about the power of our words. But sometimes you can, speak, you can speak words of blessing or cursing over your own life as well as others. But, but I want you to think about yourself. What have you spoken over yourself that's holding you down? Well, that's just the way I am. I'll never be able to change. I'm just average. I'm such a loser. What are you saying to yourself? Some of you, that curse needs to be broken. It needs to be broken. It needs to be completely broken off. No more. Again, next Sunday, I'm going to be talking about that. But there's this key to regaining your spiritual edge that I think is probably the most simple and beautiful and lovely. And it's found right in the middle of this passage. It's found in Revelation chapter 3. Verse 20, Elizabeth, come on up. I, I want to see it ready. And this actually goes hand in hand with what you shared earlier, Rebecca. It goes hand in hand with what, what we were praying about at the 7 a.m. this morning. It's like we're saying, what do we think God's going to do? What do we feel like? What's, what's stirring in our spirit for today? And these guys didn't know what, how I was going to develop this sermon. But Jesus says this, and this is in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Look at it, look at it. After he says all this stuff, he comes with this gentleness. He says, here I am. Here I am. I stand at the door 
knock. Just knock it. Just knock it. And if anyone, if any of you guys hear my voice, hear what I'm saying to you, that's what we've been talking about, listen to what the Spirit is saying. Anyone hears what I'm saying to you, here's my knock, I'll come in. If you'll open the door, you've got to open the door. I'll come in and I'll eat with that person and they with me. What do I see here? I see something really quite beautiful that we don't even think of often because we see Jesus as being high and stately and he is. God on the throne, he is. A lamb of God, he is. But Jesus just wants to hang with you. Jesus just wants to move in close to you. Jesus just wants to talk to you. Look at it, it's right there. He wants to talk to you. He wants to have a conversation with you. Gentle, beautiful, friendly spirit of Jesus. I mean, there's another way of looking at this, and it's really actually what he's saying. It's the God of the universe wants to come and sit at your kitchen table and have a nice hot cup of coffee with you. Or he may want to share with you some barbecue or a burger. He wants to commune with you. A song we used to sing a long time ago when I was a kid called What a Friend We Have in Jesus. But that friend wants to not only just be there to chat with you and to hold you, but he wants to rush in to the deepest places of your life where the fractures are, where the pain is. He wants to rush in and give you that spiritual edge. Like I remember that night you were talking about at the very beginning, Rebecca, our first gathering of people in this room. Back at the end of April, and I think there were, I think there were 30 of us total, and maybe, if even that, 20. We just, that's including everybody on the platform, everyone, and we just began to worship God. We worshiped God. We worshiped God. We, and the presence of God became so heavy in this room. It's like we didn't even want to dare mess with it. God was touching, God was healing, God was giving people visions and and miracles were happening in this room. We never know when God wants to do things like that, but I think think it's critical that we provide the atmosphere for it. My word for you today is, if you're hearing Jesus knock on the door, if you are hearing his voice through this message today and you can say that I didn't just, I didn't really hear from the pastor, I heard from God today. If you can do that, and God has something wonderful for you. He's not going to knock the door down. He's not going to kick it down. He's not going to use a battering ram. You have to say, I invite you. I invite you. Jesus goes on to say this, to the one who is victorious, who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. <clears throat> Do you get that? Jesus is saying, I want you to come share my throne in heaven. I want you to share the goodness of everything that I have in my kingdom. I just want you to overcome. Let me in. 
Will you hear my voice? Will you let me in? Will you just not rush out again? Will you turn off the distractions? Will you get intimate with me? Because I want you. I want you. But you gotta open the door. And I'd love to invite his presence into this room today. I think the way I'm supposed to wrap this up today is for us just to turn this into a house of worship. Elizabeth, I... I'm going to have you lead in worship. I don't know if band's coming up or not, but if they, whatever. But, but I'm going to ask us just to humble ourselves before God in this room right now. Worship God. Just pray to him. No, don't, don't check your phone. Unless you have to rush out, don't. God wants to encounter you face to face. Jesus wants to encounter you face to face. He's saying, I need you. Did you hear what I said to you in this message today? Jesus says, do you hear? Did you hear? Did you feel your spirit get pricked when I told you this today? Then can we just hang out for a little bit? Can you let me be close to you? I want to give you my presence. I want the glory of the Holy Spirit to fill you today. I want you to leave here with your spiritual edge again. Jesus, we invite you right now. We invite you into this room. We invite you into this gathering. God, let your kingdom come and your will be done. God, we don't want to be lukewarm. No, God, no. We want to be hot. We want to have that cold. We want to have that intensity. We, God, we want to see with our spiritual eyes, God. God, we want to be clothed in worship and praise. We want to find gold that comes from you, not from our occupations or our bank accounts. God, we want what you have. So we make ourselves available and we listen to the voice of the Spirit. We listen to you. And we're opening the door and saying, come now, come now, come now. In Jesus' name, In Jesus' name. Have you discovered your street of influence? Whether it be family, government, business, arts and entertainment, faith, health and vitality, or education, head over to culturalstreets.com and discover your street today.